mi gente, welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So let's get started. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to episode 89 of Peruvians of USA. This is your host, Natalie Sofia. Today, I have a very special episode for you. This episode is a recording of the scholarship award ceremony that we had back in 2022. So here's the background story. For the bicentennial celebration of Peru's independence, Peruvians of USA partnered with Fundación Puro Peru to launch what possibly is the first scholarship for Peruvian-American students. I don't have any proof that this is, in fact, the first scholarship, but anecdotally, that's what a couple of people have told me. In this episode, we deep dive into the story behind the scholarship. We hear from a few of the judges and their experience making the tough decision of selecting the scholarship winners. We also hear from the remarkable scholarship winners, Adriana Nayeli, and we have a keynote speaker, Estuardo Rodriguez Jr., who is the president of the Friends of the National Museum of the American Latino. The award ceremony was hosted by Fundación Puro Peru, the president being Silvia Orellana. And I want to give Fundación Puro Peru a big thanks for hosting this award ceremony. It was fantastic. It was more than I could imagine. And it was such a great experience partnering with them on this scholarship. Exciting news. We're in the process of planning some fantastic updates about the scholarship. So make sure you sign up to receive those updates by going to peruviansofusa.com forward slash scholarship, and you'll be the first to know. All right, enjoy the episode. Qué lindo estar aquí con ustedes, chicas. Eh, vamos a empezar. Bueno, mi nombre es Sandra Infante. Eh, yo soy la tesorera de Fundación Puro Perú. Y soy Silvia Orellana, la presidenta. Y yo, Juliana Macy, la vicepresidenta. Y el día de hoy estamos aquí presentes con todos ustedes porque vamos a, a conocer a dos jóvenes que realmente eh, nos han impresionado muchísimo. Silvia va a hablar sobre eso en un ratito. Estamos hablando de las ganadoras del de scholarship de Javier Bartanes Guaripata Memorial Scholarship. So these two young ladies are here with us. We have family members also here that, that wanted to be a part of it. So thank you guys for being here with us. But we wanted to go ahead and chat a little bit with these girls and we're going to spend some time together. So if you guys want to share this with families, with um, friends that would like to see how this all came about and talk a little bit about this scholarship and maybe let us know if this is something that you think that we should do again. Yeah, yeah. y Sandra, déjame recordarles un poquito que esta beca... Estamos desde el año pasado con esta beca que anunciando esta scholarship, creo que desde octubre, Silvia, septiembre, si no me equivoco. Bueno, Natalie, que es una directora de Founder of Ruiz of USA, lo, es, creo que lo, she took it to be in public para el 28 de julio. Por celebrar el centenario, ¿no? Nosotras tuvimos un partnership con, con Natalie, creo que en octubre. And then sí, estuvimos este, con ella, apoyándonos todo lo que se puede. Pero como, como dice Sandra y Julie, vamos a conocer a todo el grupo, Dios todo Dios. el equipo que, que pudo traer esto adelante y finalmente a las ganadoras, ¿no? 
Yeah. So why don't we start right now and introduce? We already started talking about her, so we might as well invite her in. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today con nuestros followers de, de Fundación Puro Perú. And I definitely want to, I want you to, to tell us about how this came about, because a lot of our followers know a little bit from what we spoke last year, and we kind of wanted other um, applicants to to do the thing. And so we were inviting everyone. And I want you to tell us a little bit about the process. How did this all come about? Yeah, sure. Thank you for letting me share the story again. So it's always been a dream of mine to actually do something like this, to start a scholarship foundation or a scholarship fund in honor of my grandfather. Why? Because uh, of what he meant to my mom and what, through the stories that she told me, what he meant to me and how the decisions he made as a farmer from Cajamarca with very little education was able to do for his own family and was able to guide them. The story really is that, you know, my, my grandfather um, was one of many kids. Uh, I would be lying to you if I knew exactly how many, probably eight to 10. <laughs> And he was the youngest, right? And he lived in rural Cajamarca. And his parents died when he was about eight years old, both of them. And so he was pulled out of school, public school, to help in the farm, to help in the farm, help his brothers and sisters. And I think that's something that scarred him maybe a little bit because he made sure that his children then would always be allowed to go to to finish their school at least there's primary and their secondary school right that was something really important and he also ensured that not only the boys which was something very typical in rural peru back then to allow only the boys to go to school he would and make sure that his daughters including my mom would also be allowed to go to school during this time girls were expected to stay at home and help the mom with other children help with the cooking help with other uh, other household um, chores and the boys would be given the opportunity to go to school. And so he didn't want to take away that opportunity from his daughters. And he wanted to make sure that he worked hard enough and he was able to provide enough to to allow his daughters for that. And he was still a farmer. He was still farming. Long story short, um, my mom was the first in his, from his children who got accepted to the Universidad de San Marcos in Lima, Peru. She got accepted with a full ride. And so he was very proud of her. We understand that in Peru, full ride means like it's still a public university, um, tuitions paid for, but there's still additional costs that students incur, such as transportation. There's fees for libraries, fees for lab, there's fees for books, fees to make photocopies of books. Back then, books weren't as available. And unfortunately, my mom did not have the financial means to, means to continue that. Uh, that for her. And one story she told me that um, that warms my heart um, is that he was still a farmer in Cajamarca and he had two oxen. So it's like a big toro, similar to toro, that he used to cut the ground or arar, como se dice en español. And that was his main tool for farming, right? And he was getting older. You need that the oxen strength to like cut the earth. Um, and he was willing to sell those two oxen to be, and, and they are proper, they are very costly, right? To be able to at least pay for another, be able to pay for my mom's like fees, books, whatever. And so that touched my mom's heart, but ultimately she told him no, because it was going to be very difficult for 
a man probably as old as he was at that time to continue farming without his animals to help them, right? When we came to the U.S. and I graduated from Smith College with an engineering degree, it was a celebration really of generations because that dream didn't start with me, right? That dream started like with my grandfather wanting to further the education of his children and my mom transmitting those dreams onto me. And so I realized that, that how blessed I've been and how, how much I have, I, I have to be, give back. And that's more or less sort of the story of why this started. And then Peru, estaba celebrando su bicentenario. Y all of us were so excited about it. All of us were doing our own little contributions to our community, our own celebrations. And so I wanted to be part of, of this giving back to our community, um, you know, and, and spoke to Sylvia about the idea, spoke to other folks about the idea, and everybody was super supportive. I'm glad that we're here now. <laughs> so that's a little bit of the story. No, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I know a lot of our followers um, didn't get some of the backstory of, of this scholarship. And honestly, it's the story of so many of our family members. When you talk about your grandfather, I think of my grandfather and my grandmother. So it's, it's beautiful. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. So we have the honor to have two of the judges who, who read um, the essays and had to make the difficult decision so I'm going to start with, I know one of the, the judges is Silvia Arellana. So Silvia is our president de Kine Fundación Puro Peru. So we'll start with you, Silvia, now that you're here. How did yeah. it, yeah. how did you feel when you got the call from Natalie saying, hey, I want to do this? Oh man, it was, it was, it was. I guess surreal because I, we were always thinking too, right? Con Fundacion, when we first started, how do we give back to the community? How do we give back to the kids? But before I go into that, uh, that story, I do want to acknowledge that the scholarship committee or our four professionals that Natalie selected us, um, myself, Delia Dios, who's going to join us in a little bit, I believe, was Dev Suarez Becerra and Ureta. So, the great thing with Natalie and her podcast, Progressive USA, she was able to branch out to a lot of Peruvian professionals throughout the United States, not just in the East Coast, but we also have West Coast. So with that, we had very different points of view. We have different life stories, life experiences, but really what united us was we're all Peruvians, practically in a way, had a similar story as immigrants trying to succeed in the United States. So with that mentality and that train of thought, you know, uh, Natalie came to me. I jumped on board because, again, we, we have the same mission for Fundación Puro Peru, right? Educar a las siguientes generaciones. Develop those uh, tomorrow's leaders. So how about we support them through education first? So I, I jumped on it and I talked to you guys about it. And at that time, I didn't know I was going to be so like this. It was like, know, they look like this. Because, uh, you know, I do have a kid. I'm going to go to college pretty soon. But it's okay. You know, he can have next year as a whole new committee. May or may not start, depending on how, you know, how it goes with the community. But um, it was great. It was great um, to see in it, to, to Natalie's efforts. I would say it is a long journey 
No, that's from thinking about it, but to get here, you know, comenzó, comenzó en julio, but I'm pretty sure she started thinking about it and get in mayo antes, no, antes, meses antes, preparándose, uh, planning it out. Y después, meses después, estamos aquí ya en, en abril, getting to know those two young ladies that we're going to introduce first. Um, I would say as a person who went through the scholarship journey, being a Peruvian just focused scholarship, I think it's one of a kind. I haven't really gone through or seen any, and I think we mentioned this right, Natalie, that many are like based scholarships are not just for Peruvians. It's either Latino-wide or mostly Mexicans, Puerto Ricans. It really probably is based on the location of it. But I think Natalie had the forethought but abrirlo a todo Estados Unidos, no nomás en la área de DMV, right? Todos Estados Unidos y hacerlo más este, inclusivo para todos, ¿no? Desde los high schoolers, senior high schoolers, hasta juniors of college. So I think that's a, that's a great way of being inclusive for all of that. Now, going through the actual practice of reading the essay, of looking at the transcripts, and I mean, it's it's surreal again. We started going an internal goal, and like, oh, what are these applications, right? I love that. That's our goal. Que bien niños, diez estudiantes, se pongan la camiseta, escriban todos los ensayos. And that's it, right? Great. But then, right now, they go to like an 11.59, la noche, como we pero cuando podemos stream in, right? Y al final sacamos que 30 aplicaciones, 30 estudiantes, that they see themselves, like, Hey, I want to write about my story. Oh, we got to write you. Yeah, no, it's it's been an emotional journey. Yeah, it has been. for yeah for all of us because it's a, it's a full circle moment for many of us, right? Like we were there, we were in their shoes, looking for scholarships. Uh, I'm so glad that Sylvia brought up that story because yeah, the reason, the number one reason I was able to go to school here in the U.S. was because I applied to. 20 plus scholarships to be able to afford my education. And I learned that from Sylvia. <laughs> so that's the clip three, everybody. Listen to episode three of her. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> where we share the story, uh, you know, of how um, I learned that through her because she went through the college process before I did. And that was such a valuable, invaluable just uh, relationship for me back then because I learned so much from her. But uh, to her point, that. There, to my knowledge, there is no scholarship out there just for Peruvian Americans, and so I wanted I wanted to I, I wanted to show others and and the students the one that it's possible that this can be done, and then second that they are the older generations. We are investing back in the younger generations. Been through it. We're investing back in you. We believe in you. Um, and, and use us as resources, right? We're all interconnected and your success is my success and it's the whole community success. That's wonderful. So what I'm going to do, ladies, I'm going to introduce Delia Rios to our chat here. Delia is... Huh? Hey, Delia. You're unmuted, actually. So if you want to unmute yourself, please. Thank you. Yes. Hi, okay. how are you? How are you, Delia? So we're here chatting with with Silvia and Natalie and Julie and 
Sylvia told us her side of the story. So what I want to know is, how did it feel like when you got the call from Natalie saying, listen, this is what I'm doing. I need your help. Like what went through your mind when she made that phone call? I was really very glad that, you know, she asked me to do this. I mean, I, I've been, I know about the podcast and what she has done. So I was very glad that she asked me. Um, I think the whole process was amazing to learn from the students. And like it was mentioned before, the fact that it's probably the first scholarship that are given to Peruvian. So that was, I was really happy to find out that she chose me to be one of the, oh, asked me to be one of our committee members. And the process was amazing to learn. So I, I feel like these students are so ahead of them, like of the of their time. They're so mature. They're like almost. I mean, I, I want to say all the essays that we reviewed and all the all the applications were so well written and just their ideas and how they spoke about their culture themselves and like how they're so happy to see other Peruvians thriving. It's, it it just really made me happy to be Peruvian. I think it just added more. Uh, to the fact that wherever I go, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows about Peru. So I, I think the whole process was just amazing. And it just shows how hard he also, when it came down to pick who were going to pick as a winner, it was so hard to pick only one. Awesome. So I know, and this is where, um, how did it, how did you guys decide to have two winners? Who wants to answer that? That's, Either Delia, you have the mic open, but how did you guys come up with two winners? Because I know there was a set amount and that was one set amount. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was only, I mean, we were supposed to only pick one and, you know, and I don't know if Natalie went into the details, but like it was a rating system and she kept it very anonymous. So nobody finds out, nobody gets preference. It's just from this, your same school, if it was from the same state. So she did it very like nicely. She put it very nicely as to like being fair. So we don't know if it was a girl or a guy. So it, overall, that the system was just really we learn about these candidates via you know what they wrote. And at the end, once you know we did all the rating and we had the points, when it came out to to the two finalists, I think I at the beginning I said like, can we just pick two? And, and I think I, I heard someone say, no, we only have to pick one. And then I think everybody was also, I, I feel like everybody, if I'm speaking for everybody else, everybody else was also like, they're, they're both amazing. And I think it just kind of like tired idea, but like, can we like start something so we can also give some kind of money to the, to the, to the second person. And then everybody started saying, oh, I'm going to put a hundred, I'm going to put a hundred. And little by little, it just came out to the same amount that we're going to give to the winner. So that was, that, I, I think that was amazing. I think that's what happens when like the Peruvian community are together and really sees that there is a lot of talent. So that's how we came out to like being two and now only one. And, and, and I mean, I, overall, I think, I, I think I, and I speak for myself and I think everybody feels the same way that I, I was happy to find out that it was two. That just shows like the, the great, amazing individuals that are there. That's wonderful. Natalie, did you want to add to that? How blown away were you when you were like, oh, two winners? <laughs> um, I was blown away by how quickly the committee 
said that when we were struggling to pick a winner because they were literally, they literally scored the same amount, right? Um, and I did not think that was going to be possible based on the rubric that I had built, um, but both very highly recommended students from the scholarship committee. Um, yeah, and, and Delia is correct. She suggested, hey, would it be possible to do like two? And for me, it was important not to split the scholarship because I understand how much more a $1,000 scholarship can go for a student, right? And then I don't know how somebody then said, I contribute X amount. And then all the other judges were like, I contribute X amount. And so everybody started contributing whatever they could. And then I, I quickly reached out to a couple other strong supporters of USA and who had been in my podcast. For example, Vanessa Ponce from Tika and NYC, she contributed. She loved the idea and she supported us. A friend from episode two, Will Vivar, who is a consultant. Also, tonight. I love this idea. I will support it. It's that he contributed. And yeah, and that's how we came up with a second scholarship. And we were thrilled because these two students were highly qualified and, and deserved to be awarded the scholarship. Thank you. So... You guys are making my job so much easier. <laughs> Let's talk to the winners. So we're going to introduce one by one. So the first one up is Adriana Luna. Her family is actually also with us. Yeah. And she's going to come in and she's she's one of the winners. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Adriana? How is it going? Good. How are you guys? We're all doing well. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this, for honestly writing the essay. I, I read snippets of it and it was, uh, I mean, it was beautiful. I, I, yeah, it was beautiful. It, honestly, I think you could also be a poet because yes. the way you wrote, it was so, it was just so well written. So I, congratulations. I know I think your mom and dad are here and your sister. So I am pretty sure they are super proud of you. So tell us about, <laughs> I'm sure they are. Thank so you. tell us a little bit about how, well, let's start off with how did you find out about this scholarship? So I can actually attribute this to my sister. Um, she sent me the, the flyer information for it and she told me you definitely need to apply to this. Um, and then I just kind of, fell into a rabbit hole in terms of finding out about Peruvians of USA and just learning more about the organizations behind the scholarship. Um, but yeah, it was because of my sister. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sister, for pushing her to do this. Sometimes yeah. it's a family member yeah. you know, that always kind of gives you that nudge. So tell us about your um, family. I know that you are from Florida, Pembroke Pines. <laughs> Pembroke, <laughs> yes. Um, so all of my family was born in Peru except for me. Um, even my sister was born there. Uh, my dad was born in Puno, and then he moved to Lima. And my mom, he met my mom. You know, had their whole love story and everything. Uh, <laughs> had my sister, and then decided to come to Florida. Uh, kind of following and his brother's footsteps, um, my dad's brother's uh, footsteps. 
they came to Florida and wanted just a better life for us. And to, I think this is when the economy was not so great in Peru and they just didn't see so like a, that great of a future for us there. So they wanted to bring us to the United States. <laughs> um, and so they did, but they made sure that we were still in touch with our roots. They made sure to raise us in a Peruvian household. So even though um, I was born in America, I still like to say that I'm Peruvian because I definitely was raised that way. Awesome. This is something that we are all super proud of. So uh, you said something on your essay about Sundays being the day. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> so Sundays that always start off with my dad pestering me with this song. Um, the it's a with many manieritas. Manieritas, yeah. Yeah. He'd sing that every morning. <laughs> Wake me up for church. Um yeah. and it'd kind of be a cleaning day. Um there's in particular this one soundtrack that I remember sometimes my parents would play. Um and it was, if I'm not mistaken, like indigenous music um, that just like float the fan. It was honestly, there were no lyrics. It was just completely instrumental music. Um, beautiful, beautiful songs. It made me uh, try to find some version of it on Spotify so I could still uh, continue to listen to that. But that's how my Sundays would start off. Uh, and then Sundays were our big family dinners so we would eat breakfast late and then we would have one really big dinner uh at around like 5 or 6 p.m and you know typical peruvian cuisine and everything uh i i looked forward to sundays <laughs> that's awesome and that's a tradition that you could probably share with your with your kids when you're ready for that right absolutely that is, that's awesome so Tell us a little bit about, because, well, what is your major? What exactly, where are you at? What school are you attending? And tell us a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So I am a sophomore at the University of Pennsylvania, and I have declared my major as a neuroscience major. Um, what that means, I, it's different for everyone. But for me specifically, I am pursuing a PhD. Um, so I do take a lot of similar courses to students that are pursuing med school. Um, so I'd like to say that I'm still on the pre-med track. Um, that just means a lot of STEM courses <laughs> along with uh, neuroscience courses that interest me. And that just means um, courses related to behavior or um processing data related to neurological working. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. That is amazing. Like, what was your GPA in high school? <laughs> because I feel like it just, it, like, your, your, your essay, like I said before, completely blew me away. It was, it's so well written. And like I said, if none of that pans out, be a poet. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because with that comes art. And I know you mentioned that you also dance. And there's, yes, there's a club that you, that I don't, did you start it? Or how did you stumble upon the, the club? 
I definitely school. did not start my my dance troupe that I'm currently in. Um, the name is Onda Latina, and it's this huge dance troupe on campus that's meant for just uh, teaching others Latin dance. Uh, we end up holding our own performance at the end of every semester, um, and all pieces for every show um, are student choreographed. So we get lessons every week so we can learn different styles, whether it's salsa, bachata, um, everything. And then we get to come up with our own choreo in the span of a couple of weeks, teach it to other uh, members, and then put on our show. Um, and this uh, semester is our 25th anniversary. And so our theme is um, Corazón Latino, basically talking about just having orgullo for uh, being Latin. <laughs> so uh, a lot of students have been choreographing pieces that are specific to their heritage. And I also decided to choreograph a piece styled uh, in, in Wino. I specifically did Valbicha. Um, so we ha we actually got our costumes from Cusco and uh, all of my dancers have learned the, the style as I also had to learn. <laughs> um but yeah that <laughs> a little side hobby of mine awesome well i mean you need that right you always need that so a family right and you create it when you go away especially when you're so far away from from home thank you so much and yeah this, this is awesome did you guys have any questions nayeli is here so i'm gonna go ahead and introduce her to and then maybe we'll ask questions to both of them later. So Nayeli, yes, here. She is connecting her audio. Let's see. Hopefully she'll come in in a couple of seconds. Nayeli, can you hear us? There she is. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if I can. Can you say a couple of words? Because I'm not sure if I can hear you yet. Yeah, of course. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? <laughs> Good. How are you? Yes, the mic works. <laughs> Nayeli, welcome. Welcome to this ceremony that the only way to do it is through Zoom because you guys are so far away. We're all in different parts of the country. So welcome to this this conversation thank you so much for making the time i know you're in school so we're gonna just real quick like i did with adriana why don't you tell us about how how did you find out about this scholarship how um, did you yeah. to, like see it so hi everybody it's so nice to see you all um via zoom um i know it's kind of upsetting that we can't all be together in one room um, but I found out about the scholarship through the Instagram page. I had already followed Peruvians of USA. Um, and I just saw it pop up one day on my Instagram feed. And I made it public to the whole club that we have here, um, PERSA, Peruvian Student Association. And I sent it out to a couple of mentees that I have. And I said, why don't I go ahead and um, apply to it myself um, if I'm giving the opportunity to everybody so I found out via Instagram. Awesome. Thank you for that. So tell us about a little bit about your parents. Are they where, because I know you said they're from Peru. Where in Peru are they from? 
Yeah, so my family is actually from Punta Hermosa. That's the south of Lima. Um, so we're right by the coast. So fresh ceviche every day, fresh pescado, you know. Um, but they both um, live in the same hometown. And um, I've every time I've traveled, I've always been to Punta Hermosa. But my parents, um, my mom, she's from Trujillo. Um, that's where all her roots come from. My dad is from La Sierra. Um, so I have a lot of mixed um, roots there. And I love to go ahead and try to like learn all about it because being Turquiana, but also from La Sierra, you'd like to learn what every custom and tradition is because all of Peru is never going to be the same. Yes, very, very true. <laughs> very true. So um, when you wrote your essay, you wrote something that I, I, I read and I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. And you say, yeah, the familia is your support system my community and my everything. And that was the, like, to me, I, I read that and I'm like, this is so true, right? Your words that you speak up, I just exactly what, what la familia is, especialmente en el Peru. So tell me what inspired you to write this essays? Like, I know you had questions to answer, but I know you had some sort of inspiration. Um, yeah, so actually, while I was filling out the application for the scholarship, I was actually in Peru. So I had my inspiration right there. And then um, I was actually sitting right next to my grandfather, and I hadn't seen him after two years. So while I was listening to some music with him, I was also um, trying to type up everything. But I feel like being so close to my family that way and being able to see him after two years because of COVID, it really inspired me to just write up what was the truth. Um, I've always grown up knowing that like, I will have my family no matter what. And they've always told me that they will be the support system that I need, no matter how far I am, um, especially being in another country, it's completely different and difficult to not have your close family. Um, so I think the inspiration was right next to me, being my grandfather and also my grandma. But I really did enjoy writing it because it just was an essay that I've never written before for a scholarship, just knowing that I could be my full identity and tell the committee about myself and being Peruvian. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about your major. You said you're considering, are you like legit now? I'm going into law. Is that what? Tell us more. Yeah, so. I am a double major of human rights and psychology with a Latino studies minor. Um, I am a pre-law or concentration as well. So I do plan on applying to law schools next year. Um, and I will be taking the LSATs um, this summer. So I'm very happy to being able to continue my education and further that and helping out my community because I feel like this law degree would not be only for me, but for my whole community, my family, and just giving it back to who has seen me grow throughout these couple of years. So yeah, I still do plan on going to law school and um, we'll see where that brings me on some of my next steps. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Uh, so ladies, I, if you guys have any questions, if you don't, we can move on to our guests. I don't have any questions. This is Natalie. I don't have any questions, but um, I just hope that the audience and everybody attending this call can see the high caliber <laughs> of ladies that we selected for for this uh, scholarship. 
they have demonstrated again um, uh, academic strength, but also you know wanting to give back to the community and their potential is really uh, the possibilities are endless for them. So I just wanted to highlight that for for the audience of you know like Adriana and Ayeli how they've communicated their goals. So so yeah, ladies, we're really proud of you too. Yes. And with that said, I know some people through Facebook are just coming in. We are meeting the two winners of Javier Bernales Huaripata Memorial Scholarship. Uh, they, this is a process that we've been working with uh, previous of USA since last year. So we are introducing you guys to the two winners, which is Adriana Luna and Nayeli Contreras. So we're here now, you guys, because of this whole idea of giving back, I want you guys to meet someone that I invite especially to speak with you girls. And I'm going to read his bio. His bio was so long. I, I had to like kind of say, okay, we're going to, this is, this is important, but you guys are going to meet him. And he's just amazing. His name is Eduardo Rodriguez Jr. He's the principal and co-founder at the Raven Group, focused on government affairs and communication. Uh, a lawyer by training, he specializes in direct lobbying in the financial service and telecommunication sector, advising leading companies across the industry. Having cultivated a power of network of media relationship, Estuardo is also a Ravens Council on Media and Communication. Estuardo also employs his influence and leadership on a number of nonprofit and industry boards. He currently serves as the president and CEO of the Friends of the American Latino Museum, a campaign to create the Smithsonian National Museum of the American American Latino on our National Mall. So this, he is amazing. So I'm going to go ahead and ask him to join. Let's see. He's been waiting to meet you ladies. And he's been on our Zoom call for a few minutes. So <laughs> let's see if we can get him connected. Hi, Estuardo. Thank you. Thank you for waiting there. Mosenora Peruana. Muy bien. la tradición. <laughs> Muy bien, Estuardo. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to introduce you just real quick to our everybody that's here. So we have uh, from Fundación Puro Peru, we have Silvia Orellana, who is our president. We have Juliana Macy, who is our vice president. And then we have uh, Natalia Flores. She is from Peruvians of USA. She's the one that started this whole uh, scholarship. So it, it's wonderful to have her here. And then we have our two judges as well. So Silvia Orellana, our president, was the, the judge. And so was Delia Rios. And she's down there with the white shirt. And so then they're the ones that made this decision. And to be honest, I don't know if you've been watching, but these girls, I mean, are amazing. And I see why they had to pick two, because initially there was only supposed to be one winner. So I have Adriana Luna and Yeli Contreras. So you guys, this is, and we also have Adriana's uh, sister and parents on the line as well. That's so, cool. yes, it's Eduardo. Well, that's that's just amazing. And and um, I got to pause real quick and just say, you know, it's just an honor for me to be here with the future of of our nation, right? Latinas in our country drive job growth, uh, employment, new businesses, um, revenue generators, the innovation comes 
when you look at the entire sector, um, Latinas are the ones driving the U.S. economy in so many ways. So it's an honor for me to be here. Yes, hands up, hands up. Um, and so it's great to be here uh, to also, you know, have a moment with that, that next generation, which you know, I, I am in government affairs, and I'm sorry, I'm not starting in a very coherent way. I should stop and introduce myself a little bit here. Um, I'm president uh, and CEO of the Friends of the American Latino Museum. That is a volunteer job, uh, much like what I understand that Natalie does, where she is a woman in finance who decided, you know what, I'm going to take on another job. Uh, and kudos to you, because I know what that's like. You know, you just follow your passion. And it and then sometimes, unfortunately, it creates three times the work than your regular job. Uh, but it's your passion that drives you. And, and to our honorees, I will tell you, if you are so fortunate to follow your passion, it will provide for you and for others in so many ways. You can get a job, yes, you should do the thing that you went and studied for and keep your options open and always be willing to kind of move with the opportunities that life presents you, but, but let your passion guide you because that is truly what fulfills you in the end. I have gone to law school with amazing people with a plan and they're like, I'm gonna go to law school and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I, I, I work for a judge and then after that I'm gonna go to a big law firm and, and, and make tons of money and, and that's great. And then a year later he was burnt out and he was on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean just not doing anything. So, you know, you got plans, right? <laughs> But sometimes if you don't have something like a passion that really drives you, it changes the reality of, of what your experience is going to be. So, so my passion ended up being the Friends of the American Latino Museum, which I, I, I'm going to age myself. But when I raised my hand to do it, I was a few short years off, out of law school. And um, my colleague and I decided to work together, start this firm. Um, and that was in 2004. So 17 years later, uh, after I raised my hand to help an initiative to create an American Latino Museum, in December of 2020, we finally passed the last bill. So I'm a government affairs attorney. Uh, that was my trade. Uh, I don't sue people for a living. I tried that for a little bit. Didn't make a lot of friends suing people. So I was like, I'm going to do something different. And I went into government affairs and communications. And my niche area was and is uh, working with broader, diverse communities, Black, API, Latino, et cetera. Um, the work that I often get asked to do is through that lens of diversity. How can companies be better with the Latino community? How can the Latino community position their policy issues in front of Congress and the White House, et cetera, et cetera. And there's so many issues that we care about, some of them which are very staple issues like education and jobs, the economy, healthcare, et cetera. Um, but then there are niche issues issues that are, are that speak directly to us, like immigration and dreamers and, um, and, and the unique experiences that we have, whether we're from Venezuela uh, or if we're from countries that are experiencing you know, dictatorships or governments that are hostile in Central America, where you have TPS issues, right? So it, it, it broadens the lens of what I do, but I always come back to what is the U.S. Latino experience, right? And that is what pulled me to drive this campaign to create the American Latino Museum on the National Mall. Those of you who have been to the National Mall in Washington, D.C. know it's, it's the place to learn about American history. There's the U.S., uh, there is the African American Museum that is the more recent museum. 
Uh, and then before that, probably 15 years before that was the Native American Museum that opened up. And then before that, there wasn't a shoe museum for, I don't know, decades. Um, you have the Air and Space Museum, the, uh, the Natural History Museum, American History Museum, uh, on and on. And then what shocked me was that a study in 1994, uh, which I was still in college back way back then, uh, as my cousin Sandra will tell you, I was on South Beach bartending. Uh, which is a whole other Zoom that we can talk about. Uh, but in any case, we, we, uh, in 1994, they introduced uh, a report that, that highlighted that the Smithsonian had almost intentionally tried to erase diverse stories from all of the exhibits. So, I mean, think about that for a minute. If you go to the Smithsonian today, you have more diversity in the storytelling. But Back then, in 1994, they realized through an audit of all the exhibits that only 2% of all of the exhibits reflected any diversity whatsoever. So it's basically Europeans came to this continent and they moved west. And according to the exhibits, they ran into Native Americans, but that's it. They omitted the fact that there were missions, churches, cities, the Spanish had set up, the Mexicans, the indigenous communities had set up. Uh, they ignored all of them and simply said that they arrived here and they created this great nation without the help of anyone that was not European. You and I can sit there and, and now say that's insane. But in 1994 and before that, that was what everybody was seeing in these museums. And it's frustrating to, to see that because you realize that it's not about a museum. It's about driving a narrative. We aren't trying to make sure that there are pretty exhibits and pictures in a museum. We're trying to educate people so that when you go to any part of the country and you see the diversity, especially Latinos and Latinas, you accept them as part of the American fabric. So that you don't assume what this crazy man did in El Paso, Texas two years ago. You don't drive 10 hours down to the border of El Paso, Texas and assume that every brown person there is an invader and is trying to take over the country and then you start shooting people in a Walmart. That ignorance is born somewhere. And it's not just born because his parents were terrible or his neighbor was terrible. It's born because we don't teach it. We don't understand it that our history in this country is so diverse that there would not be the United States that we know had it not been for the diversity that made it great. Coca-Cola, for example, is an iconic brand. It was an American brand for many years until the early 80s when all of a sudden a Cuban-American became the CEO and made it an international brand and bought a number of soda products from all over the world, including Inca Cola. Personally, I don't think they should have sold it to Coca-Cola, but they, he bought Inca Cola, and the only reason he bought Inca Cola was because he couldn't outperform Inca Cola in Peru. I get it, right? The point is, those are iconic American brands, and that's the narrative that we need to be telling people, that we influence, that we impact, that we drive, that we innovate. The Mars rover that landed, the, the, the rover that landed on Mars two years ago, that was a Colombian-American woman who developed the robotic arm, right? And there's so many more stories 
And the Smithsonian has said to us, there's simply no room to tell these stories within the Smithsonian, the existing buildings. Which to I replied, well, great. That's why we need our own museum. And the challenge is now, because most people would say and have asked me, when's the museum opening? They're like, oh, yeah, hold on a second. Because they have passed it, but nothing's easy, right? Now you have to find out where are they going to build this museum. The problem is there's a whole other effort on the national law right now to keep it the way it looks now. People hate change. Everyone hates change, right? But we have to keep pushing and insisting. So America's history is told on the national malls. We know it between the Washington Monument and the U.S. Capitol, the American Latino Museum, and the Women's History Museum that was approved at the same time in December 2020. Both museums should be on the national mall because that's where American history is told. Anything less is an insult or to treat us as if we don't matter as much, which is what we've heard forever, which is why the 1994 report came about in the first place. History is told by those who write. And it's not just about being an educator or teacher. It's about being a leader in your industry, whether it's Nayeli, Adriana, in your future industries, you are telling a story. You are driving a narrative. You are correcting the inaccuracies and the misperceptions. I work on a daily basis with an amazing woman who works for the president in the White House. Peruana, 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 peruana. As, as peruana as you can imagine, right? Same dejo, same, same, same dichos, all of that. And I work with another gentleman who just got confirmed by the U.S. Senate, Alvaro Bedoya. He just got confirmed by the Senate to be a member of the Federal Trade Commission to approve mergers in this country. When you look at and hear about another merger of two companies, whether it's Amazon and MGM or another amazing iconic brand because companies are merging all the time, there's a proven American who's reading through that and he's going to decide whether or not they should. Our reach is deep. Our reach is amazing. I in D.C. often jokingly brag, but I'm not, I'm not really joking. I say there's a proven mafia here. We're going to take over all of this. <laughs> but don't ask me just about the green sauce because it's a much more, more than that. It's much more. It's much more than pollo la grasa. Much more, right? So I'm honored to be with you because I want you to remember me a little bit. As you continue to grow and succeed, when I come calling and say, I, I need you to speak to my group of, of students, need you to reach out and mentor someone else, some young Latina, some young Peruana. I want you to remember this because you got to keep passing that on because someone's going to come to you next. And I, I am I'm very proud of you. I know I, I've just met you, but I've read your resumes and your application before this. You're amazing and stellar. My, my daughters are 17 and 16. I'm on that track to get them into school and they need to see Latinas rocking it like you wherever they go. It's a burden, but that's a burden that, that I would imagine you'd happily take on. Because every day is an opportunity to tell a different story than what we're seeing right now. And we made a lot of progress. We made an amazing progress. Uh, I'm not going to discount that. But there's still so much more to do to make sure that we don't leave anyone behind and that, um, that when we say we're proving American, that we emphasize and that we educate that above all else, we are American. Belong 
we drive, we contribute, and we will continue to make this place better for everyone. We're not less than, in fact, we're more than, because that duality of our experiences give us a greater depth of understanding of where we come from and what we can do, why this country came together in the first place. Right? A lot of people forget that. Was it, it didn't come together easy. And it's that immigrant spirit and what our parents taught us, what my parents taught me. My dad still works seven days a week. I try to stop him. Can't stop that. Can't stop that. All you can do is help him, remind him to take a little break. <laughs> That's about it. Anyway, I'm blessed to be with you. Thank you so much. Please do me a favor. Reach out to me. My cousin has my information. You can friend me on LinkedIn. I know I'm going to friend Natalia here on LinkedIn right now because I just looked her up. I'm like, we got to be friends, Natalia. So let me know what more I can do with you. My cousin, of course, anything she wants, I'm more than happy to help. And please reach out to me. I'm honored to be with you. I want to be uh, helpful as much as I can. So congratulations again. Thank you, Starlo. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for taking the time, like I said, to be here. And we, we are all super proud of you and all your achievements. Hence why it's you to speak. I hope you girls take his word and connect with him. Internships, anything. <laughs> he is well connected. <laughs> he knows a lot of people. <laughs> well, they have to do that. And one piece of advice, like even your professional career, no seamos penosos. No sean penosa, right? You reach out to someone and they don't write you back. You give them three, four days, maybe give them a week. And then you write back. Do not stop telling someone, hey, I really, I need five minutes. Just want to connect with you. Don't stop because that's what happens. Everyone's busy. But you got to take it from the heart that they want to be helpful. And just because, you know, you, you don't know what they're living. Like some weeks, it's chaos. But I, I run into some young folks sometimes will just shoot me a note and say, hey, you said you were going to do this. And I, I say, thank you for reminding me. And if I forget again for another week, call me again or text me or whatever. Don't get to it. Don't assume that people are annoying with you unless they say you're annoying. Unless <laughs> they're going to do that. So just stay on it. Don't be deterred because people are busy. All right. That's the biggest thing I've noticed in, in my side of things at this point in my career. People are just busy. They're more than so. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Eduardo. I mean, I think what Natalie has started with Fundacion too is we're building this network, right? The professional Peruvians that we're here to support, not these two winners, but then later on, the next set of winners or whoever's coming up, right? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to build up our Peruvian community. And the one thing I would say is, so Lenada, you're talking about uh, Latinos. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a, a big wing run for uh, I try not to talk about it, but I'm so proud of you. Ah, yeah. Because I might have some pictures from the 90s if you need some history there. My wife's from San Antonio, Texas, so I got to take care of my home first. Got to make sure that thank you for after that. Um, we're close second. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> take care of home from first. No, that makes, that makes total sense. So you guys, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to, um, just open it up. If you or anybody else has a question for anyone that's present here, you're more than welcome. 
Hola, Estuardo. Soy Natalie. I just want to thank you so much for being here. I hope Adriana and Nayeli and everybody here is as inspired by listening to your words as I was. I was like, oh my gosh, where have you been? I needed, I needed those words of encouragement because as you mentioned, yeah, when you do, uh, you know, it's very fulfilling to follow your passion. Um, sometimes it's a lonely road. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you to Fundacion, the ladies from Fundacion and to Delia and the rest of the scholarship committee because they have made me feel so supportive during this whole process. But yes, I would love to connect with you and have you in the podcast. I'm just going to throw my shot right now. Julie, did you want to say a last few words about Fundacion Puro Peru so we can close this up and wrap it up? Yeah, quería una vez más agradecer Natalie por esta iniciativa que espero que otros peruanos que estén escuchando esto de repente hagan lo mismo que tú. Muchísimas gracias. Y gracias por contar con Fundación Puro Perú. Gracias a ustedes por estar aquí. A los papás de Adriana, muchísimas gracias por estar aquí presentes. Espero que, que estén aquí orgullosos de su hija y también de Nayeli. Así que muchas gracias por estar aquí. Gracias a esto, Argo, y gracias a todos. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. And we'll see you guys later. And I don't know how to end this. <laughs> so I am going to... No, I mean, literally, like, I don't know how to end this on Facebook. Are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint? Are you a small business looking to reach more of the Peruvian diaspora in the United States? Consider sponsoring an episode of Peruvians of USA. Peruvians of USA has launched its first sponsorship program. If you're interested, please visit peruviansofusa.com slash sponsors or send us a message on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.